Oh, come on. It's only been two episodes. It can't be that bad. You treat me like Roger Godell in draft night. Come on. Come on, easy. All right, that's enough. Anyways, welcome to the NFL Rookie Draft episode on Roto Lounge. I want to first start by letting my three listeners know that if they continue listening next offseason, I'll plan to dedicate a ton of time and podcast episodes to the 2020 class of rookies. I'll review the skill position prospects leading up to the draft, and then I'll have a breakdown discussing what their draft position means for us dynasty owners. Because this podcast recently launched and we're only a few weeks away from the season opener, I'm just going to be breaking down my top players at the skill positions and discussing what I've seen on their tape and what I saw from their combine performance. If you haven't completed your rookie drafts, some of my insight may help you identify and research a prospect perhaps you weren't considering. I spend a lot of time breaking down college prospects and incorporate analytics and athletic metrics to conclude my rankings. I love everything about the NFL draft. And once the NFL season is over, I dive headfirst into the scouting process. I'll travel to Indy to watch the combine in person. I'll DVR the combine and really break down each player's strengths and weaknesses. There's a lot of data that we can obtain about prospects and there's a lot of game tape that we can watch. But the two things that we can scout is heart and what's going on between the prospect's two eyes. I've had really great grades on players that either didn't have the desire to compete once they made it to the league, or they couldn't stay on the field because things outside the football field. So it's not an exact science. Some of the best prospects bust, and some of the less likely players to succeed endure to have a Hall of Fame career. But grinding this part of fantasy is an addiction to me, and it's helped me build great dynasty teams. And I'm here to help contribute that to your dynasty team. Just like any draft, the first few rounds can be predictable based on several factors and also community influence. But I trust my evaluation process, and I'm confident that I can help other fantasy owners out there also understand what traits and skills to look for than simply watching highlight films on YouTube. If you enjoy what you hear, shoot me a DM on Twitter or ask any questions about these prospects. You can find me on Twitter at LoungeRoto. Subscribe to the podcast, and if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. So sit back and get ready to boo Godell. This is the Roto Lounge Rookie Podcast. Good evening, and welcome to the NFL Draft. I really enjoy scouting the tight end class each year. It's a position that most often goes unnoticed unless the entire industry is on a certain player. It's fun discovering prospects that check all the boxes and all you have to do is draft them and wait for the breakout to happen. So how can you find those under the radar prospects? How did I identify Jimmy Graham and George Kittle as dynasty buys as rookie? Well, it takes some luck for sure, but it also takes a good process in knowing what to look for. So the question might be, What exactly do you look for? When scouting the tight end position, it comes down to a few things for me. And this might sound like the most obvious trade of all, but if you want to be a long-term contributor in the NFL, you have to be able to block. Yes, who would have thought that the great tight ends must know how to block? You don't even have to be a great college producer anymore to be a great NFL tight end. Look at Jimmy Graham, Antonio Gates, and George Kittle as just three examples. More teams are looking for the matchup nightmares, a combination of size, speed, and strength to outmaneuver the opposing defense. But I think it's important that the tight end can run block and pass block consistently, if not be great at it, to end up more than just a flash in the pan fantasy asset. The more a prospect can do, 
the more snaps he will earn to stay on the field. And more time on the field means more opportunity for fantasy points. If you look at the top three tight ends last year, you can see all the traits needed to be a great tight end in the NFL. Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, and George Kittle are the only tight ends to produce more than 1,000 receiving yards last year. All three are very good blockers at this point in their career, and all three are above average to great athletes at their position. I know there are tweeners playing the tight end position like Eric Ebron, Evan Ingram, and this year Noah Fant fits that mold, and these type of prospects aren't asked to do a lot of blocking. But just like running backs, touches are important, and for tight ends, more snaps means more touches. Blocking ability should not be ignored when evaluating your fantasy football tight end target. Look at the snap counts from the top three tight ends that I mentioned last year. Zachers had 1,000, Kelsey had 993, and Kittle had 928. Now this isn't a coincidence that the top three tight ends were at the top of the snap count list and at the top of the fantasy rankings. Because not only are they great blockers, but they're great athletes. So even if I'm scouting the best prospect in the class or the worst in the class, I'm looking to see how they score in their athletic drills as well as how is their blocking technique. And then I dive into their college production. This scouting process helped me identify Kittle as a rookie to buy and I have him locked in 100% of my dynasty leagues. So with that said, let's begin with my top five tight ends in the 2019 draft class. Number five, Josh Oliver from San Jose State. He was drafted by Jacksonville Jaguars round three, pick five. He comes in at 6'5", 250 pounds. He ran a 4'6", at the combine. That was third best among tight ends and faster than Josh Jacobs. His bench press was 22 reps. That was tied for the second best among all tight ends at the combine. His vertical jump was 34 inches and his broad jump was almost 10 feet. Now high jump scores show that a prospect has good burst and Oliver's two jump scores show he has an above average burst for his size. His three cone drill was 7.21 seconds and his 20 yard shuttle was 4.47 seconds. The cone drills demonstrate how agile a prospect is and Oliver's weren't that impressive. So his agility isn't a strength of his coming in as a rookie. So when I sat down and watched his tape, these were some of my takeaways. He's a very versatile pass catcher. He can play the slot, inline, or move around the formation where he's needed. He runs a great route tree, and he's an ideal matchup nightmare in the NFL. Some of the things he needs to work on, he needs to work on his pass block and run block. Now, I have to give him some credit because on film, he looks like he wants to block. He's just not very good at it, so it's gonna take some time. He also needs to have a better feel in zone coverage to get open. Now, Oliver was voted as the captain for the Spartans, which shows us that he has leadership skills. He made a huge production jump from his junior year to senior year, doubling his catches, yards, and touchdowns. Because he was a late developer at San Jose State, I think it's going to take him some time to acclimate to the NFL. But if or when he does, he has the all-around tools to be a Pro Bowl type player. His athletic measurables to me resemble an Eric Ebron type player at the next level. Number four, Foster Moreau, drafted by the Raiders, round four, pick 35. He's 6'4", 253 pounds. His 40-yard dash was a 4.66, which was fifth best among tight ends. His bench press was second best among tight ends. His vertical jump was third best among tight ends. Broad jump, fourth best. Now these jump scores show an impressive burst score similar to George Kittle. His three cone drill was 7.16 seconds and his 20 yard shuttle was 4.11, which was the fastest among tight ends. So his cone and shuttle time show a phenomenal agility for his size at the position. These are things I look for when I'm scouting. Now on tape, you can see that Foster has an endless motor and he's a very good run blocker at the line of scrimmage. John Gruden doesn't get enough credit for his running game production, and I think Foster Moreau fits exactly the mold of a tight end that Gruden wants on the field at all times. 
Foster is also a decent pass protector. Now when running routes, he showed soft hands and after catching the ball, he's very tough to bring down, similar to what I saw watching George Kittle's film a few years ago. Also similar to Josh Oliver, Foster can play the slot, inline, or H-back. Now some things that he needs to work on is that he needs to improve on his run blocking when he hits the second level. He also needs to work on his route tree because he wasn't asked to run very many routes at LSU. He needs more passing game experience as both a blocker and a pass catcher. Now Foster also served as team captain for LSU like Josh Oliver. Now get this, his athletic numbers rank in the 87th percentile of all tight ends since 1999, making him one of the most athletic tight ends in the past 20 years. He also has a basketball background which could make him a nice red zone option in the NFL. So the difference between my number four Foster Moreau and my number five Josh Oliver is simply that Moreau has a greater athleticism and lesser production, just like George Kittle. Now Oliver has the greater production and lesser athleticism. So as you will see in what I mentioned earlier, my pattern when evaluating rookies is they have to be good to great athletes, or most time I'm not interested. Now, production also matters, but if you're a good to great athlete, your production should come in the NFL when given the opportunity, just like George Kittle. Now, I know Foster Moreau has the athleticism to be a great tight end, but he needs to improve on his mechanic and will ultimately, in my opinion, be a boomer bust player for fantasy purposes. However, he's basically free in every draft. His athletic measurables to me resemble a more agile Martellus Bennett. Number three, Irv Smith, drafted by the Vikings, Round two, pick 18. He's 6'4", 245 pounds. His 40-yard dash was third best among tight ends. His bench press was 19 reps. Vertical jump, 32 inches. Broad jump, 9 feet. His jump score show a below average burst. His three cone was 7.32. 20-yard shuttle, 4.33. His three cone and his shuttle show an average agility for his size. Some of his strengths on tape, Irv Smith, his run blocking is off the charts and arguably it could be the best in this class. It's not on the Gronk level, but it's pretty impressive. He's a very skilled route runner, especially for the tight end position. He's also a very physical player who doesn't shy away from contact at any level. Some of his weaknesses is that he just has an average build for a tight end. When the ball's thrown his way, it doesn't seem like he's going to consistently win contested passes. And when he's running his routes, he needs to work on separation on his breaks. Now, Irv Smith's dad, Irv Smith Sr., was the New Orleans Saints 1993 first round draft pick. So he has the NFL pedigree. And although Smith has the potential to be a top 10 tight end in the league, the re-signing of Kyle Rudolph could prevent him from getting the early reps he needs to develop into a fantasy factor in year one or two. His athletic measurables to me compare favorably to Ben Watson. And I'm not talking about the 40-year-old version of Ben Watson. So number two, I got Noah Fant. Drafted by Denver Broncos, round one, pick 20. He's 6'5", 240 pounds. His 40-yard dash was a 4.56, which was best among tight ends. His 225-pound bench press was 20 reps. His vertical jump was 39 and a half inches, which was best among tight ends. And his broad jump, was 10 feet 7 inches. That was also best among tight ends. And those scores are off the charts, showing his type of burst for his size. His three cone drill was a 6.81 seconds, which was best among tight ends. And his 20 yard shuttle was a 4.22, which was third best among tight ends. Now his three cone and shuttle are also incredible numbers that easily identify how agile a player he is. So when I sat down and I watched this film, this is what I saw. He has tremendous initial burst off the snap which was confirmed with his combine performance. So this is why it's more than just watching film. When these players perform at the combine, it either confirms what you see on tape or gives you reason to go back and verify what you saw because their combine numbers don't match up. 
Also, he easily reels in catches with very reliable hands. And similar to Foster Moreau and Josh Oliver, Noah Fant can line up anywhere on the line of scrimmage. He's very good knowing where the pocket of spaces are in zone coverage. Some of the weaknesses that I noted, he lacks the physicality in separating from man coverage. I noticed often he generally was brought down on initial contact, and he can improve on his overall blocking technique. So if Fant's physical attributes are so good, you might ask, why is he not far and away the tight end one in this class? Well, I got two words, Mike Gusecki. Mike Gusecki's combine numbers were even better than fans. Gusecki was faster, stronger, he also jumped higher, he jumped further, but guess what? Mike Gusecki's gonna be an NFL bust. And for those with the argument that the former Patriots coaching staff now in Miami are gonna turn him into the next Gronk, there's one problem with that. Mike doesn't know how to block. And that's a big problem for a tight end. That's also the problem for David Njoku, and it could be a problem for Noah Fant. So let's temper our enthusiasm for a bit until we see how he develops. Now, Fant is a great athlete and a natural pass catcher. His film shows all the athleticism necessary to be a playmaking tight end at the NFL level. And that said, he's far from a finished product. The reason I have him ranked number two on my board in this class is because Denver invested a first round pick on him, and he will get every opportunity to establish himself as a good NFL tight end. I want to see how he develops because he needs to improve his route running and he needs to become a more reliable blocker. But there's enough talent here to suggest that his ceiling could be a starting dominant tight end at the NFL level. So my comparison for Fant is George Kittle with poor blocking technique. Number one is TJ Hawkinson. Drafted by Detroit Lions round one pick eight. He's 6'5", 250 pounds. He ran a 4.7 40 yard dash. His bench press was only 17 reps, but his vertical jump was 37 and a half inches, which was second best among tight ends. And his broad jump was 10 feet, three inches, which was also second best among tight ends. So his jump scores show us that he's a very explosive athlete. Now his three cone drill was second best among tight ends and his 20 yard shuttle was second best among tight ends. So it shows that he has excellent agility. So for me, when I was evaluating this class, it's TJ Hawkinson, and then it's everybody else. Now on tape, some of his strengths that pop are that he's very polished route runner and he has the quickness and strength to be a mismatch for defenders. He has a large catch radius and strong hands allow him to catch anything thrown his direction. And he's a very strong run blocker. The few weaknesses I saw when watching his film, he needs to develop a better feel for finding holes in zone coverage. His pass protection could use improvement and he needs more upper body strength. So Hawkinson has all the tools to develop into a top five tight end in the NFL. He also possesses all the skills needed to be an every down player in the NFL. He has elite route running skills and the ability to beat defenses on all levels of the field. He's a good run blocker. Right now he's an adequate pass blocker, which he should improve on once he adds more upper body muscle. And in this overall weak rookie fantasy class, Hawkinson should be considered in the top five among everybody as an overall rookie pick. If that's shocking to hear, keep this in mind. History shows us that only good NFL tight ends increase their fantasy value after the fantasy rookie draft. So if you're thinking that you can get Hawkinson cheaper if he has a bad rookie season, typically tight ends that lose value in year two never rebound to reach those expectations placed on them coming into the NFL. The only outlier that I can think of is OJ Howard, who's missed a total of nine games in two seasons, but his value remains high because people are hopeful that he's going to have a breakout. So back to Hawkinson. Consider yourself lucky if you can get Hawkinson at his absolute lowest value during your rookie draft. My comparison for TJ Hawkinson is Rob Gronkowski on a very bad team. Let's talk about quarterbacks. Now, when evaluating quarterbacks, a lot goes into my scouting process, and most of it is your more traditional things you see from a quarterback on Sundays. Athleticism, good mechanics, anticipation, arm strength, and many other traits. But an under-the-radar data point that I'm eager to learn when scouting rookie quarterbacks 
are their hand size. This might sound crazy to some, maybe not to others, but to me, hand size is a very important piece of the puzzle when evaluating a quarterback prospect. It's not the end-all be-all of the evaluation, but just another factor that I use when establishing my overall rankings. Hand size can be a positive or a negative in relation to several factors an NFL quarterback will face during his career. Most importantly are the weather conditions quarterbacks will endure. A cold, wet ball will be more difficult for a quarterback with smaller hands to grip and throw accurately. Trying to maneuver with the ball in the throwing hand can also be affected by small hands. And then there's protecting the football from defenders. Did you know that the two starting quarterbacks with the highest fumble rate in the past five years also have the smallest hands among all active NFL starters? Jared Goff and Derek Carr have a 9-inch and a 9.13 size hands and both have over a 15% fumble rate. This podcast will help you identify metrics to implement into your process and my hand size data point can also be used in your season-long strategy as well. An example of this was just last year. In the first round of the fantasy playoffs, I benched my starter Jared Goff and added Josh Allen off the waiver wire for this very reason. The first week of the fantasy playoffs, Goff and the Rams traveled to Chicago to play the Bears. The game called for very harsh weather conditions and I was concerned because Khalil Mack was playing out of his mind and I figured Goff would be under a ton of pressure and he could be prone to turnovers if he couldn't grip the ball well. With my season on the line, I trusted my process not knowing the outcome. What the outcome? Goff had four interceptions on his way to a negative one fantasy point performance. That was a 19 point swing for me and I did advance. Now, it could have been luck, but you have to trust your process. If Goff would have went off for 400 yards and four touchdowns and I was completely wrong, I would have noted this for my process. But my current process led me to this culmination and this time it worked for me. So if you have a good process that works for you, you can identify these opportunities and gain an edge over your opponents. Now, let me be clear. I'm not stating that hand size will determine whether or not a quarterback will be a bust or a star in the NFL, but I do think that it helps in the evaluation process. For those wanting to incorporate this metric, small hands for an NFL quarterback are considered anything less than 9.25 inches, and anything over 9.75 are considered large hands by NFL evaluators. To get hand size is the length measured from an outstretched thumb to an outstretched pinky finger. So I've only ranked three quarterbacks for you today because I'm not a big fan of Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, Will Greer, or most of the other lesser known quarterbacks. But I do have one quarterback under the radar that I really like. And my number three quarterback is Jarrett Stidham, drafted by New England, round four, pick 31. He's 6'2", 218 pounds, and his 40-yard dash was a 4.81 seconds. Now his hand size was a 9.13, so this is considered small by NFL standards and similar to Raiders quarterback Derek Carr. On the flip side, Stidham's teammate Tom Brady has a hand size of a 9.37 and has worn a grip glove for the past several seasons to help him maintain a proper hold on the football. We should probably see Stidham using a grip glove as well. Now some things I liked on tape when watching Stidham were he has the body size and arm strength to compete at the NFL level. He showed his ability to read defenses and go through progressions well. He throws the ball well in the run when he's forced from the pocket. He has excellent mechanics and footwork while he's in the pocket. And he's great at throwing balls to a location, not a receiver. Some things I did not like when watching his tape, and the first thing that I noticed was that his 2017 and 2018 tape seemed to be a completely different player. The 2018 version of Stidham seemed to be one with much less confidence and seemed more pressured. I think this can mainly be attributed to his poor 
poor offensive line at Auburn. And his tape shows that he can be streaky from game to game. In 2018, he seemed to get rattled when under pressure, and he struggles with inconsistent blitz recognition. Now, the college offense that he ran at Auburn most likely stunted his growth as an NFL-ready quarterback, but he has the talent to play at the highest level, and he needs some time to learn behind an established starter. Stidham also played at Baylor before transferring to Auburn, and in that system, he showed promise of an NFL pro-style quarterback with rushing upside. He had a 70% completion percentage at Baylor, and that's something New England surely had to love by selecting Stidham in the fourth round. Now, he's going to have the opportunity to learn behind Tom Brady and Brian Hoyer and could possibly develop into Brady's eventual heir in New England. We should see a lot of him during the preseason. My NFL comparison is a smaller Matt Schaub and I think Stidham will be a great backup and could have a few good years in the league as a legit quarterback one. Number two, Dwayne Haskins, drafted by the Redskins round one pick 15. He's 6'3", 220 pounds, and his hand size was a 9.625. Now that's above the average mark, but just below the large range for NFL quarterbacks. And this is a great thing to know as he will be able to control the ball well in the rain and cold temperatures that he may face at home in Washington. Now the knock on Dwayne Haskins is that he was a one-year starter in college, but that's for a good reason. He played behind JT Barrett, who established himself as one of the most prolific quarterbacks in Ohio State history. Now in high school, Rivals.com rated Haskins as the fifth best pro-style quarterback coming into this 2016 recruiting class. As a first-year starter in college, he became one of the nation's top quarterbacks and led Ohio State to a Big Ten title and a Rose Bowl victory. He broke 28 school records and seven conference records. He also broke Drew Brees' long-standing Big Ten mark for most touchdown passes in a single season with 50. Now, when I watched Haskins on tape, a lot of positive things popped. Now, you can see that he's a student of the game and he can read defenses very well. He has a quick and effortless release. He masters the velocity on most of his throws to all areas of the field. He's also an adequate scrambler when the play breaks down, and he performed extremely well in the biggest of games and on the biggest of stages. Now, some red flags against Haskins are the obvious concerns regarding experience with just one single season as a starter. Also, he rarely took snaps directly behind center as a traditional NFL offense will require, and his accuracy tends to drop off quite a bit when making on-the-move throws. Now, there isn't a large sample size to evaluate Haskins, but there's no doubting he has the talent, smarts, and physical characteristics to excel at the NFL level. The Redskins have a good offensive line which I feel is the key to his success because he needs time to make reads. There's a good chance that Haskins is a day one starter and with the second easiest schedule for quarterbacks, Haskins will be a sneaky fantasy player in year one. My NFL comparison is like a Frankenstein comp. He has Peyton Manning's intelligence, Nick Foles' intangibles, and Jameis Winston's leadership. Now number one on my board is Kyler Murray, drafted by the Cardinals with the first pick in the draft. He's 5'10", and 195 pounds. His hand size is a 9.5, which is large for his stature and puts him right in the average range for NFL quarterbacks. Murray played his 2015 college season at Texas A&M, where he was mostly a backup until later in that season. Now, after that season, he announced he was transferring to Oklahoma. He sat out the 2016 season due to transfer regulations, and during the 2017 with the Oklahoma Sooners, Murray was the backup to starter Baker Mayfield. The 2018 season, as a first-year starter, Murray threw for 4,300 361 yards and 42 touchdowns with only seven interceptions. He also rushed for 1,001 yards and 12 rushing touchdowns, and he wrapped up that season winning the Heisman Trophy. Now on tape, you can see that Murray is an extremely accurate quarterback on short and intermediate throws. He's a very mobile and fast quarterback. Even though he didn't run for scouts, it appears to me when watching his tape that he runs a 4-4 or a 4-3 40-yard dash. He also has true playmaking ability, and he has the baseball background.
touchdown, which helps throwing the ball with velocity. Now, some things that I didn't like is he's a little undersized for NFL in both height and frame. His deep ball passing accuracy needs improvement, and his college tape shows that he prefers to run rather than work through his progression reads. Now, Murray is highly talented, extremely athletic, and a dual threat quarterback. He's shifty, but very poised in the pocket and capable of avoiding pressure. He will need this trait with his poor O-line in Arizona. Now, he has all the primary traits that make for a solid NFL quarterback. He's got to learn to read through his progressions if that's what Coach Cliff Kingsbury will ask of him. He is having an entire offense built around his strengths, so Murray should be a fun player to watch in the NFL. My NFL comparison is a faster Russell Wilson with less deep ball accuracy. So that's all the time we got for today, but I hope you enjoyed my breakdown of my top tight ends and top quarterbacks in this year's class. Now next episode probably will be double the size because I'm going to break down the wide receivers and the running backs, the positions that the fantasy gamers really want to talk about. Now if you like the episode, please subscribe. I also have a YouTube channel at Roto Lounge where you can find some Easter egg videos. And I'll probably drop an Easter egg video talking about any of the rookies not on these podcasts that I don't like and the reason that I don't like them. And thanks for joining me for my rookie breakdown. Until next time, this is the Roto Lounge Podcast. Oh,